HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is proudly supported by LMT, the hospitality industry's preferred source for tabletop and more. Learn more at lmtprovisions.com. This week on Meet and 3, meet four of our HRN Hall of Fame inductees. These prolific individuals are writers who have changed the way we talk about food. We'll take a look at the journeys that shaped their literary voices. I was heading off into the unknown to spend my junior year of college in Paris. We'll explore the culinary landscape they work within. You know, it was that whole self-made American idea that you, you can just kind of create a new world from scratch, including a new way of eating. And look at the transformative effect that their work has on what we eat and where it comes from. It gets down to management deciding that humane handling is important. You've got to have management that cares. And if management doesn't care, then you're going to have a bunch of bad stuff. You can learn more about HRN's 10th Anniversary Hall of Fame at heritageradionetwork.org slash hall of fame. And don't forget to subscribe to Meet and 3 wherever you listen to podcasts. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Welcome to Inside Julia's Kitchen, podcast of the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm your host, Todd Shulkin, the Foundation's Executive Director. Our show takes you inside the Foundation's world to meet the talented people we have the great fortune of learning from all the time. On today's show, we're celebrating Julia's birthday and featuring some of our favorite Julia moments from the last five seasons. Stay with us and join the party. As always, we launch the conversation with an inspiration from Julia. What better inspiration than celebrating Julia's birthday? August 15, 2019 would have been Julia's 107th. And in honor of the occasion, we're returning to some of our favorite Julia moments. They really highlight what Julia meant to those who knew her and all those who admire her. These Julia moments capture her spirit, her influence, and all that is fun and memorable about Julia. We've assembled 10 of our favorite Julia moments from the last five seasons. So relax and enjoy these timeless stories. You'll hear from food writer Ruth Reichel, chef Ozma Khan, chef Jacques Bepin, editor Barbara Fairchild, 
Chef's Table creator David Gelb, Food 52's Kristen Malore, Chef's Guy Gingel, Chef Anita Lowe, author Dory Greenspan, and from Chef Daniel Balud. When you flip anything, you really, you just have to have the courage of your convictions, particularly if it's sort of a loose mass like this. No, that didn't go very well. See, when I flipped it, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do it the way I should have. But you can always pick it up, and if you're alone in the kitchen, who is going to see? From Julia's immortal words, we move into a trio of segments, all Julia moments. If you're a new listener, at the end of every episode of Inside Julia's Kitchen, we ask all of our guests to share their favorite Julia memory, moment, or how she's inspired them in their career. In this first set, we're highlighting fun. Starting off with food writer and former Gourmet Magazine editor Ruth Reichel's Julia moment when she was unmasked by Julia. Ruth, what's your Julia moment? Okay, well, let me start by saying Julia was enormously generous to me as a young writer and sent me notes about things I'd written. But my favorite Julia moment is um, hilariously funny. Um, I was in disguise in a restaurant um, during a James Beard weekend, and I kind of, when I was at the at the New York Times, I couldn't go to any of those events because you don't want to be around chefs, and I'd kind of forgotten that every chef in America would be in town, and I was at, <laughs> I was at the What's Happening new restaurant, and um, I was, at the moment, dressed as my mother, um, <laughs> wearing, you know, a, a short white wig and silver wig and I had my mother's clothing and I did look remarkably like my mother and um, Wolfgang Puck and Barbara Lazaroff came in and they had known my mother because I did a long piece about the opening of Chinois uh, before I was a critic and um, Barbara saw me and burst out laughing (laughs) (laughs) and then as every chef came into the restaurant, she would go up and whisper in their ear. And they would parade in front of the rest of, of my table, looking, you know, looking at me and bursting into laughter. And it was really <laughs> embarrassing. And then the last person who came into the restaurant was Julia. And Barbara went up and whispered in her ear. And Julia, from across the room, said in her unmistakable Julia voice, very loud, there's Ruth Reichel in a wig. (laughs) And the entire restaurant turned around and looked at me. And I was so mortified, I didn't know what to do. (laughs) I didn't know if I should just take the wig off, crawl under the table. And instead, I just nodded at her and smiled, and she nodded back at me and went and sat down at her table. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and were, were you dining by yourself, or did you have no, a companion? No, I had I had a group of people with me. Oh, okay. Uh, well, that at least at least you had some cover. Oh, yes, I, uh, I was hoping maybe if you were alone, Julia invited just invited you to join her day. No, no, no. I was with like I think four other people, so we were. Um, I I did have people to um, sort of close in around me. <laughs> Well, that does sound like a very memorable moment. Possibly, I I, I wish someone had asked Julia about that moment. I would have thought she would have remembered it, too. (laughs) Next up, we're listening to Chef Ozma Khan's admiration of Julia's blowtorch appreciation. Ozma, what's your Julia moment? It has to be the blowtorch. 
because long ago I saw this clip which I was just going through uh, on online and I saw this highly elegant woman who I didn't know who she was. She used the blowtorch to get the skin off a tomato and I thought, whoa, I love this person. And then I ended up watching all these videos and it was just the casual grace and the strength and the utter confidence with which she spoke. And yeah, and her blowtorch skills are incredible. My greatest joy, I mean, I'm hoping someone, I'm turning 50 this year, please buy me a blowtorch. <laughs> because I just think, I told everybody, they said, oh my God, you're so much trouble in the kitchen, we don't want to give you a blowtorch. But I, <laughs> I, I want to do this. And I just love the fact that she, you know, she showed two very uh, safe ways to get the skin off a tomato. And then she burnt it with a blowtorch. <laughs> well, I love women like this, you know, because that's when you do the unexpected. And, you know, it's, you remember this for a long time. And I think that this is what we need to do. And this is what I want to do in my life as well. I was very inspired by that. I know something very trivial, you know, she did something, you know, but somehow you always associate men with blowtorches. This is a me mechanical, something from outside the industry, an engineering tool. Mm -hmm. She bought it into the kitchen, her very elegant space, <laughs> looking beautiful. And she burnt this tomato. Ooh, I mean, I was like... I love this. So she brought the tools in of a very male uh, industry into her space. And she did it so beautifully. You know, the two worlds collided in that moment. And I love that. That is the best description of Julia and the blowtorch. You know, it's very popular. Um, there are plaques and things you can get that are quoting Julia saying every woman should have a, a blowtorch. But I think, I think you've just tracked the whole meaning of why Julia's use of the blowtorch is so um, memorable and meaningful. And th that was really lovely. Thank, th thank you for uh, deconstructing the, the message behind the blowtorch. Thank you. And here's Julia's good friend and frequent collaborator, Chef Jacques Pepin. Do, do you have an official one for posterity to do your Julia moment? Well, I would say that uh, Julia, I think of her, especially when she came to my house to eat and uh, the way she was with the guests around the table and so forth, she was so down to earth and happy. I also always think of her in terms of my daughter, Claudine, because I knew Julia before my daughter was born and uh, she's 51 now. So when Claudine uh, turned to be in her, uh, uh, after high school, she went uh, to, to Boston University. So when I went to BU, often we met, go with my daughter and I took her to Julia and so forth. So she became fond of Julia and became very good at imitating her, her voice to the point that uh, we would be eating and uh, Claudine would call and my wife pick up the telephone and uh, Claudine would say, oh, he's Julia She would imitate. And my <laughs> wife would say, Claudine, uh, please, we are eating. The call. And she said, <laughs> and one time the telephone rang and Gloria picked it up again. And she said, Claudine, stop doing that. We don't have time. And all of a sudden she said, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, Julia. No, no I'm sorry. I'll call him. I'll call him. He's right there. So we end up, you know, confusing Claudine with, uh, with Julia. So that was uh, something always that we did funny in the kitchen. And very often when, the, when Claudine came to eat at the house, I still ask her, do your Julian impersonation. You know, so. That's so lovely and funny. And I'm sure, I'm sure Julia was very amused by that. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more favorite Julia moments from Barbara Fairchild, David Gelb, Kristen McGlory, and Sky Gingell. 
This episode is proudly supported by LMT, the hospitality industry's preferred partner for sourcing tabletop supplies. From their New York City headquarters, LMT provides expertise and uniquely curated products for restaurants and hotels nationwide. Whether it's dinnerware, glassware, and cutlery, to small wares and equipment, LMT's approach to tasteful design and product knowledge is simply unmatched. Learn more at lmtprovisions.com and listen to founder Morgan Tucker on episode four of Opening Soon on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back. Today we're celebrating what would have been Julia's 107th birthday with a gaggle of our favorite Julia moments. In this segment, we're focusing on the Julia moment about Julia's wide-reaching influence. First up is former Bon Appetit magazine editor-in-chief Barbara Fairchild connecting up Dungeness Crab, construction workers, and Julia. All right, Barbara, what's your Julia moment? Well, I have so many, but I, I wanted to pick out one in particular, which involved the uh, Santa Barbara slash Montecito days. Uh, We used to see Julia a lot when she was out on the West Coast, and certainly when she moved out here full-time, it was really great to have her here and and go to dinner, both in restaurants and in private homes. And one time, she invited us to come with her to a potluck dinner that some friends of hers were giving in their uh, condo in Montecito. And everyone was supposed to bring a dish, but Julia said we didn't have to, that she was going to handle it. So we went and picked her up at her condo, and she had done an entire uh, steamed Dungeness crab, which she had put on a silver platter, and I got stuck with holding the platter in the back seat while my life partner, Paul, drove us uh, to the drove us to the dinner, which in typical Julia fashion was at a very low-key place. These people were school teachers and and super nice people, really wonderful. So I managed to navigate holding the Dungeness crab on the silver tray without spilling it on my lap or spilling it on the floor of the car. And as we're getting out, we, we the condo that we were going to, it had a, a, a kind of a uh, parking lot area for visitors. And we pulled in, there was some construction work going on, and we pulled in and we, and we started to get out of the car. And this construction worker came over to the car, and I was thinking, oh, gosh, maybe we're not supposed to park here, but I don't want to drop this crab, and all, you know, all this stuff is running <laughs> through my head. He's wearing a hard hat. I can still remember. He was wearing a hard hat, dirty jeans and work boots, and a, a really you know, a bright red T-shirt. And he said to Julia, are you Julia Child? And I just kind of stood there in shock and, and really just dumbfounded. And she said, oh, yes, why, yes, I am. And he said, I just want to thank you because I'm using one of your books and I'm teaching myself how to cook, and it's so much better. And I have to tell you, Todd, I almost burst into tears because that really focused for me her importance and her influence and all kinds of people to think that, you know, people who read Bon Appetit, of course, knew of her and used her recipes, but here's a guy just working on condos and working on uh, construction who's using her books, too, and really getting a lot out of them. And that, to me, was an, an amazing Julia moment for me. Next, we hear from David Gelb, creator of Netflix hit series, Chef's Table. All right, David, what's your Julia moment? Okay, so it 
it's a, it's a little interesting. So I'm, I'm maybe five years old. Um, my parents have rented a, a cute little house in, uh, in Chappaquiddick. Um, I'm learning to read. I have a dream. This is my mother is helping me remember this. I was, I was just uh, conferring with her to, to confirm some of the details. But according to her, I woke up in the morning and I said, I had a dream that we made uh, fruit rolls. And my mom says, what's a fruit roll? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's got, it's, it's a pastry, but it's made of fruit. And, um, you know, I had just been learning, uh, as I said, I just been learning to read and I learned how to spell my name and there's an I in my name. And I loved how there was a dot. There's an, it's a, it's a straight line with a dot and I love the I. So I said, it's in the shape of an I. And so <laughs> my mother goes and gets, um, her, uh, her book, uh, the, uh, Mastering the Art of French Cooking by Julia Child. And she, so we, she started making the, uh, the pot brise, the, the pie crust. And we just started shaping it in these little eyes, you know, with a little dot and a line and putting um, some uh, lovely uh, preserves and, and, and fruits on top of them and just kind of uh, experimenting with that. And I thought I was like a little culinary genius. Like I was the first person to ever make like a tiny little, <laughs> a tiny little fruit tart. But uh, my mom was uh, really encouraged me and it, you know, became like my little recipe and we made it for uh, the kids at school and, and, and at camp. And, uh, you know, it's just like a fun little, uh, a fun little thing. And, um, you know, I guess that's my Julia Child story because, uh, it was in that book and my mom, I remember my mom was like showing me the book and it was the, you know, the mastery, uh, of French cooking. And I just thought it was so cool. And, uh, that's how I became, uh, acclimated with the great Julia Child. Food 52's Kristen McGlory had what may have been our most unusual Julia moment, highlighting a shoplifting predicament. Kristen, what's your Julia moment? I probably have one of the weirdest Julia moments that you've had on this show. Ooh. Which is, when I was about 15, I was at the mall with a friend, and I, I thought we were just there to pick up a gift for another friend of ours. And then about halfway through our shopping journey, the mall security came up to us and accused us of shoplifting. And I was such a goody two-shoes. I had no idea what was going on, but it turned out that my friend actually had been shoplifting. And so we were both taken to the sort of mall security office where they had all these TVs up along the walls and they were playing just like daytime TV shows and sports and things like that. And I had to wait for hours while they, you know, scared some sense into her, I guess, and waited for one of our moms to come pick us up. And luckily one of the TVs had a marathon of one of Julia's shows on. And I found that I really fixated on that. And I found her, so comforting in that moment where, you know, I was kind of losing my innocence in a way, you know, kind of losing my trust in my friends and, and feeling like I had done something wrong, even though I didn't know what was going on. And still, you know, I'll go on 
sort of YouTube um, jags watching Julia shows and and clips from her shows now. Just when I kind of need a pick me up and when I need some comfort. And, you know, I, I really love getting lost in, you know, episodes of Baking with Julia and looking into recipes and geniuses for this book. There were a lot of roads that led to Baking with Julia. Wow, that that is a very unexpected Julia moment, but uh, but I love it. It was sort of like virtual bonding. Yeah, and it, it just kind of goes to show how how present she has been in so many people's lives, whether or not they've really gotten into cooking yet. She's been an introduction point. I wasn't there yet, but she may have helped. And here's London chef and restaurateur Sky Gingel summing up the enduring power of mastering the art of French cooking. Sky, what's your Julia moment? Well, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I feel in a way that even my journey has been completely inspired by um, Julia Child because she was an American who went to Paris and sort of learned to cook. And I was the young Australian girl who went to Paris and learned to cook and fell in love, really fell in love with cooking. And uh, Mastering the Art is a book um, that I genuinely hand on my heart, think everybody should have in uh, their um bookshelf, cookery bookshelf. Uh, it's a book that I've turned to a hundred times, thousands of times over the years for references. And we were talking about in the beginning a little bit uh, through um, through technique, you really can have freedom and find your own voice, but it's so important to learn technique. And I've always used um, Mastering the Art as a technical um, reference point, in fact, uh, uh, which is... Uh, Amazing. And I think, um, so I feel in a way, like I sort of, in a funny way, I think the people before me slightly mimicked her trail. And I think I mimicked their trail. So I think she was that real trailblazer. And I absolutely know that I couldn't have the career or the journey that I've had without having gone to France and learned to cook. And I don't think people see France in the same way that it was perceived, um, uh, 30 years ago, it, it was the time that I went to France was the time of the truly great French chefs. And, um, and now I think there's so much food everywhere. And I think people forget that that was the Mecca really was France in terms of learning to cook. And so uh, I think that subliminally, she's probably influenced me incredibly. And then also just having, I think that her, I think that book is as relevant today as it was 30 years ago. That's the other really interesting thing. Um, that book is so timeless and, um, and it is, still, I still use it today. I mean, it's on the cookery shelves of the restaurant. It's here. And, um, you know, I have, it's funny because there's so many cookbooks now, they come out like crazy. And actually, I still probably go back to the same five that I've had 35 for 35 years. And they're the ones that give me really the technique where I can then imprint my own personality on the recipe. So I think that's the way in that way, she's, it's been incredibly influential to me. What's your favorite Julia moment from inside Julia's kitchen? Do you have a Julia moment of your own? We want to know. Send us an email or even a voice memo to contact at juliachildfoundation.org. Don't 
Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of our favorite Julia moments from Chef Anita Lowe, cookbook author Dory Greenspan, and Chef Daniel Balut. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. I'm Damon Bolte. And I'm Souther Teague. Together, we host The Speakeasy, a show where we discuss cocktails, spirits, wine, beer, tea, coffee, and all things in the liquid universe. Yeah, our guests range from bartenders and brewers, alchemists and ambassadors, roasters and regulars, hippies and home brewers, and every expert enthusiast in between. <laughs> Browse episodes of The Speakeasy wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. When you flip anything, you really, you just have to have the courage of your convictions, particularly if it's sort of a loose mass like this. Well, that didn't go very well. See, when I flipped it, I didn't, I didn't have the courage to do it the way I should have. But you can always pick it up, and if you're alone in the kitchen, who is going to see? Welcome back. We're wrapping up our celebration of what would have been Julia's 107th birthday with a final set of our favorite Julia moments from the last five seasons of Inside Julia's Kitchen. We close out with what it meant to cook for Julia. First up is Chef Anita Lowe with a classic first-hand lesson from Julia about how you need to prepare, 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 and then let go. Anita, what's your Julia moment? So I once had the good fortune of cooking for Julia Child uh, when I was the executive chef of Maxime's, um, which was up on 60th Street. Uh, And she came in for lunch, and I was... In my 20s at that time, I don't remember how old I was, but I was probably somewhere near 25 or something like that, 26. And I had prepared this elaborate, you know, tasting menu for her. I was getting everything ready. I was really excited. And um, she came in, and I went out to the table. I was like, yes, I'd be happy to cook for you, blah, blah, blah. And um, she's like, oh, I think I'll have the roast chicken. (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah so that's what i made for her it was basically like uh a pan roasted half chicken with mashed potatoes and some sort of sauce and some sort of (laughs) some sort of vegetable but (laughs) well they do the chefs often say their favorite their last meal would be roast chicken so there you go um so did the whole tasting menu, had you prepped this entire tasting menu? Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I mean, it did t- teach me that, you know, the, the, you need to nail the uh, simple things as well. Mm. And, and did you get feedback on the pan-roasted chicken? Um, I, yeah, I think she really enjoyed it. Next is Dory Greenspan talking about, well, what made Julia Julia. All right, Dory, for the record, what's your Julia moment? I met Julia. I actually just wrote about this in my New York Times Magazine column. Um, My first book had just come out. I don't know how, but I got invited to Boston University to be part of a group of presenters doing demonstrations. And there was Julia. And I had never met her before. And I made a recipe that was, it was, all I had to do was push the button of a food processor. It was not the best in terms of showmanship, but I was so scared and I thought, well, okay, I can press a button. I'll get through this. And when I finished my demo, the cake was called 15 Minute Magic. I finished my demo 
And Julia came over and she said, will you have dinner with us tonight? There was a dinner plan for all the presenters. And Julia said, I want you to sit with me. And so, of course I did. (laughs) um, And at some point, shortly after we sat down, Julia said to me, have you ever seen that Saturday Live episode where Dan Aykroyd imitates me? And I said, Julia, I'm probably the only person in America who's never seen it. And with that, she stood up and she became Julia imitating Dan Aykroyd, imitating herself. It was hysterical. She did, and she knew how funny it was. She just had her eyes twinkled the entire time. And I thought, oh, she's a master of so many things. And one of them is making people feel comfortable. Mm. It was a great moment. And that was my introduction to Julia. Our final Julia moment is chef and restaurateur Daniel Balud summing up his time cooking with and for Julia. Danielle, what's your Julia moment? Oh, my Julia moment was, of course, with Julia in their kitchen, uh, cooking a segment where I remember I was opening my restaurant in uh, 25 years ago because I'm celebrating Restaurant Danielle 25 years ago now this Yay. year it's our 25th anniversary and it was about 25 years ago when i came to cook with julia in boston at um, in somerville i think it was some uh at her house or somewhere yeah, else at her house at her house in cambridge then in cambridge that's where the show was run yeah. and um uh, and the the most uh, fascinating thing is that I came in the morning early. They told me to come around seven o'clock, so I came just before seven o'clock, and uh, even even earlier than that, like maybe six thirty. And and Julia was already down on their desk typing recipes, typing letters, typing, uh, and and she was uh, already sort of fully engaged and ready to do the show. She was so excited. And, and we cooked a Côte de Veau and sweet bread with chamomile. And um, she had used chamomile for other purpose, but never to cook with meat, such as white meat, which chamomile is delicate and white uh, veal it was delicate. And I think uh, I had the most wonderful time with Julia making this recipe, who was a uh, one of the dish I had on the menu at Restaurant Daniel when I opened the restaurant 25 years ago. And it always... And, and are we going to see it again for the anniversary year? <laughs> yes. But at, at the same time, you can also, I think, watch that segment online somehow into the archive of Julia's Kitchen. Wow. Well, that, that, that's quite amazing. I mean, that, 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 that's a pretty hard memory to top. Not only did you cook with Julia in her kitchen for her show, what, 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 a, what a wonderful privilege and, and I would assume a vividly lasting memory. Absolutely. I cooked for Julia many, many times at Le Cirque when I was the chef at Le Cirque. 
I cooked with Julia when I was at the Plaza Athenee in New York. I uh, I met Julia. She didn't meet me, but I met her or saw her uh, at the Moulin de Mougin in the late 70s when I was, or mid-70s when I was there in Cannes, near Cannes, because she had a house who was in Valbonne, and she would come and dine at the Moulin with Simone Beck and all her friends uh, down to... Uh, the Moulin Mougin and uh, the station I was working at the little window where we could see all the guests coming in and out on the way to the parking lot. <laughs> and so I, one day I saw Julia passing by and of course we all knew that that was Julia because they, she came to the kitchen to say hello to Roger Verger. So, you know, when you're a young cook, you stay on your side and you don't say anything, but you witness that. And, and that was then the time and uh, I had many occasions. Uh, well, what an what an amazing full circle to go from that that meeting or or, or sort of exposure in the seventies to coming back to her legacy podcast. That's 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 a great way to close up. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining our celebration of Julia's birthday with some of our favorite Julia moments from the last five seasons. We'll be back in a few weeks for season six. In the meantime, make sure to catch up on any Inside Julia Kitchen episodes you may have missed. And don't forget to let us know your favorite Julia moment. If you want to participate in Julia's birthday celebration, join us on social media. Use hashtag JuliaChild. And for extra birthday posts, search at JuliaChild on Facebook or at JuliaChildFoundation, all one word, on Instagram. It's at JuliaChildJCF and I'm at T. Shulkin on Twitter. The Julia Child audio clip from The French Chef is used with permission from our friends at WGBH. Thanks to my co-producer at the Foundation, Lauren Salkeld, and our sound engineer at Heritage Radio Network, Matt Patterson. Our theme song is New French Horn by Novi Veltorni. Please give us a review. It really does help new listeners discover the show. And if you can do it on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, all the better. We are on the air on Heritage Radio Network on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, with downloads available soon after wherever you find your podcast. We look forward to bringing you back into the Foundation's world next season on Inside Julia's Kitchen. Thanks for listening to the Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fair, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.